Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside the founder of Brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by the Locker Room app. Download the app and join me tomorrow night, Thursday night at 7.30. I'm going to do a Locker Room podcast. That's Locker Room changing the way we talk about sports. And I did originally say I was going to do it on Wednesday night, but of course, uh, that was me not looking at the NBA schedule and forgetting that the Bucks actually played tonight. So that's my bad for that one. Um, Frank, the Bucks beat the Wizards 135 to 134 in a typically wild Washington Wizards game. I mentioned this on Twitter, but I do feel like the Wizards are potentially the worst team to come up against when you're on a back-to-back, potentially having a bit of a letdown, as you certainly hinted to in the post-game pod for the Nets. So we're going to dive right into this. You did just mention this to me. I did a shout-out for Jim. You said leave it at the end. You can do it right off the top if you want. I know they announced it again, or they had the local broadcast tonight, so uh, it was mentioned that, again, Jim Paschke is going to retire. But you, certainly even longer than me, have been listening to this man called the Bucks. I know um, as, as far as anyone live, everyone listening to this podcast, he's been a big part of uh, our fandom, really. Yeah, and I, I had not heard, um, you know, we did our, our post-game pod and, and then you had you kind of recorded your uh, intro with kind of your story with Jim, um, you know, afterwards. So I, I listened to it this morning and I had not actually heard your, your stories about, you know, kind of getting to know Jim. And I think it's cool that you also got to know him you know, before you were sort of part of the, the media yeah. apparatus. Um, I, I actually, um, I, I actually got to know Jim in 2007. This was right after I started blogging about the Bucks, And it just so happened, one of my really good friends from high school, um, her family was, was very good friends with, with Jim. And so um, my friend actually mentioned like, oh, I have a friend who, you know, is, is writing with the Bucks. And Jim said, yeah, I, I know him. I, I read his stuff. And um, we ended up, I was living in Boston and, um, uh, you know, we, we connected and I ended up meeting him at the, the hotel there. And we kind of hung out for about 30 minutes, just sort of chatting. And, um, you know, it was just kind of one of those things like, you know, keep in mind too, I mean, this is at a time when bloggers in particular, like, you know, the, the, it was a weird sort of relationship to the sort of, you know, traditional sort of media world, right? It wasn't like today where it all just blends together and traditional media and bloggers and all that stuff, it, you know, it all is kind of just considered like part of one big thing almost. Um, but he, Jim was awesome. He was, you know, super encouraging of the work I was doing, you know, and I was kind of like, I don't know, is anybody, you know, do people in the, you know, with the box, do people in the broader media landscape even know what I'm doing? And he was super encouraging and positive and, you know, very humble, respectful. And, um, you know, all the things that, you know, listen to you tell your story. I, I, I was like, yep, that that's him, you know, that that's just kind of the, the type of person he is. And, um, you know, just, you know, for someone to spend three decades, obviously associated with the team, 
to be the kind of steward and ambassador that he is for, for the franchise, you know, to, to fans, to, you know, just the community more broadly. I think, um, you know, you couldn't ask for having, you know, happened to, to have this, this person sort of take this job as the announcer and, and be with the team for so long. He obviously just has, you know, represented, I think the best parts of, of the franchise for a long time. So, um, yeah, shout out to Jim and, you know, kudos to, uh, all the great work he's done. And it was fun seeing a lot of the reaction yesterday on Twitter from, you know, people I follow who are, or national writers and, you know, people saying, Oh man, he was one of my favorite league pass, you know, announcers and things like that. So, um, so I, I think that, you know, speaks volumes, right? I mean, those of us who, who grew up in Milwaukee listening to him, obviously we have, you know, a special relationship just to him because we've got so used to him, you know, hearing him from, for me, from when I was a kid, right. In the early nineties, uh, calling games, but you know, there's a whole, now there's a whole sort of generation of like league pass watchers, right. Who also, I think know Jim and, and Marcus and, you know, many of them also obviously knew, knew John McLaughlin. And um, so just, just cool thing to, um, you know, I'm glad we we've had the chance here to, to have a publicly, you know, appreciate kind of what he's done, um, you know, for the franchise over, over all this time. And, um, you know, I'm glad we, we get to know now so we can, I think maybe appreciate his, 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 uh, his stretch run here with, uh, with the team calling games a season. It's not something that gets announced during the summer when, you know, maybe it, it doesn't get the acknowledgement it deserves. So, um, big, again, big shout out to Jim. And, you know, I remember he, 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 he did some interviews for us, um, back in the brew hoop days and, you know, the early days when, you know, before, you know, getting, getting credentialed was even like a thing we thought would be possible. And so, um, you know, again, just, uh, certainly a, uh, someone who, who really made an effort to, to help me and, and Alex Boder, you know, kind of in the early days of, uh, when we started writing and covering the team and again, Bucks have, I've always been a great team to cover, you know, when you think about PR team and, um, just the franchise in general, just being open to, um, non-traditional media, let's call it. Um, and, uh, you know, certainly Jim was at the, at the forefront of that, you know, certainly that was, that was my experience. So anyway, um, yeah, uh, very, very happy for Jim, uh, excited for him, the next chapter here. And, um, again, looking forward to hopefully catching up with him at some point soon. Hopefully we can do a podcast with him together. would definitely, uh, would love to, to be part of that. Yeah, no question. And, uh, just one last point. I'm glad you brought up the fact that we get this little run here now, knowing that this is going to be the case. I think it's, it's definitely preferred than finding out after the fact for the reasons that you pointed to. But for me personally, I basically went two full seasons um, being in Milwaukee. And, and I guess I, I never really, I mentioned yesterday the fact that I get to meet him and I would see him in the media room and say hello before every game. And it was fantastic. And, and like I said, a real thrill, honestly, but being home, one of the, the huge benefits of that is I've been able to listen to him call games and Marcus and Zora and that whole team. And, and like you said, we've obviously been pretty fortunate over the years. So that's been a fun experience for me, uh, not being at the arena, but being able to listen to those guys call the game. So again, you know, as you mentioned, um, you know, it's good that we have this platform to be able to mention our, our own stories. And obviously we've been seeing those across Twitter. But as far as this game against the Wizards, you know, it's always interesting when you play a team like Washington and I'm just looking at the standings right now and they are 30 and 36 and you know, we both spoke about the potential letdown that was going to be here. I saw some stuff over Twitter about the Wizards being a, a rubbish team, a trash team, all that sort of stuff. And certainly by the record, they are. And there's some guys in the rotation that you kind of look at and say, okay, well, there's no real reason why this team 
should be challenging the Milwaukee Bucks in the regular season game. But there was some challenges with this game, both before the game and throughout. The fact it is on the back-to-back, Chris Milton obviously wasn't in the lineup. And then through the game, you lose P.J. Tucker to jaw injury with some friendly fire uh, there. You have Dante DiVincenzo foul out of the game. You have Giannis foul out of the game. And you're playing against a team that you know you're going to have to score points. I mean, they play at breakneck speed, so fatigue is potentially going to be a factor down the stretch. Uh, I don't know how much analysis there even needs to be from this game, but given the fact that the Bucks are now just one game behind the Nets for the number two seed, again, we keep looking at the standings. There was a lot of reasons why the Bucks could have lost this game. So to pull it out, I, I'm impressed. I think they deserve some credit. Well, I'd say at least some of the Bucks deserve some credit. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I mentioned on Twitter, but you know, I think Drew Holiday and, and Pat Connaughton were kind of the, the first two guys that that you know were sort of on on my mind at the end of this game. I think uh, Drew, you know, 29 points, 10 out of 20 from the field, four out of eight from three, five rebounds, six assists. Um, obviously you know among others sort of split the, the the unenviable task of trying to check Bradley Beal who was who was awesome again tonight 42 points on 24 shots um but uh you know um just yeah I, I just felt like whenever he was off the floor like it was like oh god what are the how are the Bucks going to create offense because Giannis just really was not in much of any rhythm um you know six turnovers fouls out still ends up getting 23 points on 15 shots with nine rebounds and eight assists, a couple blocks. But, um, you, you know, he was looked pretty out of, out of rhythm. I thought for, for large stretches really didn't kind of had a hard time getting engaged really at the, at the beginning of the game, kind of figuring out how the, how the wizards were defending him. But, um, fortunately drew really, really stepped up and, you know, just, we kind of mentioned it, uh, I mentioned it, uh, last night, but, you know, again, just looking at his, his post all-star break stats, I mean, uh, he's 19.8 points per game now after the all-star break 52 percent from the field 43 percent on threes six and a half assists almost five rebounds 1.6 steals <laughs> um you know he's just been terrific and you know interestingly he, he's he's actually put up his biggest scoring numbers uh on back on the second night of back-to-backs which is you know chris has really struggled chris is like has very linear relationship between rest days and his performance um, but Drew actually has been really good on on no days rest. He's over, averaging over twenty points a game, twenty one a game on almost fifty percent shooting, forty four percent from three, seven point one assists. So, you know, it, I guess it figures that that Holiday would would again step up. You know, since he's played well without rest all season long, and they really needed his his scoring. We saw more of those step backs that you know again have been kind of like, all right, I guess Drew is just a step back three point shooter now this year, which is is very refreshing and hopefully that's something we continue to see in the playoffs. Um, and then Pat Connaughton was the other guy that I thought really popped for me tonight. I, I mean, I think he, he's had some sh- shooting struggles uh, of late, but six out of 10 from the field, four of eight from three, six rebounds, three assists block plus seven in 32 minutes. Obviously he got extended with, with Middleton out then with PJ going out, um, you know, it was a battle of attrition really kind of at the, uh, in, in the forward ranks there. And, you know, Dante fouling out, Giannis fouling out. I mean, it was like Jeff Teague and Bryn Forbes were on the floor to close this game, you know, is, is, is where the Bucks were left. That, that was sort of the state of the nation there at the end. Um, but Pat, two huge threes late in the fourth quarter as the Bucks, you know, they had a, I think it was what, an eight point lead, something like that at one point in the fourth quarter, which I don't know how they even got an eight point lead because it didn't feel like they were playing well at all. And then it, it slowly evaporated and then he came back and, and hit a couple of really big 
threes. And then um, that sequence with under a minute left where Daniel Gafford gets the ball, you know, what, three, four feet from the basket and Drew stands up to him and forces a pump fake and then blocks him. Gafford gets the ball back and you're thinking, oh, crap, now Gafford's going to dunk it. And Pat somehow ends up basically, you know, tying him up basically as he goes up, blocks him essentially going up. And then Gafford falls down and the ball hits him when he's out of bounds. So it's Bucks ball. I mean, to me, that was sort of the play of the game. Certainly the defensive play of the game for me um, with the chance to tie the ball game. I think at that point, uh, you know, you would have put money on Gafford, at least, at least getting a foul call going to the line. And, you know, as much as we'll bemoan sort of the officiating and in terms of their role in tonight's game, I mean, 43 free throws from the Wizards. Um, the Bucks had a career, a season high 31 fouls, as our friend Dean Mania pointed out. Um, way too much from the officials tonight. Uh, I don't know how many technicals there were. Giannis got a technical. Who else got a technical tonight? Brooke got a technical, I think. Um, it's weird that the, the official box score only lists Lopez, which is a little bit strange, but I know the moment you're talking about Giannis, but it's, it doesn't seem to be listed. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, way too much officiating, but, you know, thankfully on, on two big plays in the final minute, uh, that play where Drew and, and Pat got clean blocks on Gafford and got the turnover. And then on that near steal with two and a half seconds left, um, when Raul, Raul Neto thought he might have stolen the inbounds pass with uh, the Bucks up one, um, he he basically like kind of lands with the ball with his heel on on the end line. And uh, fortunately, Tony Brothers saw it, and of course, he loves blowing his whistle, so he blew his whistle. And fortunately, it, it was some the correct call that that kept the Bucks in possession. And of course, Garrison Matthews then almost banks in a three to win it, but uh, never mind that. So. Uh, but yeah, th- those two guys for me jumped out. I mean, Bryn Forbes, another nice scoring night for him. Jeff Teague back in the lineup rotation, 11 points on six shots. And Dante, not to be forgotten, before the foul out, five out of seven threes. So some mean reversion there, 19 points. That was obviously really helpful as well. But um, I mean, what, what kind of stood out for you? I mean, obviously, Drew, Pat, for me, were the big ones. But um, what, kind of what, what else kind of jumped out at you in terms of some of the individual performances tonight? Okay, Frank, let's talk about our friends at Headspace now. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has three-minute SOS meditation for you. Need some help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents like you, Frank, Headspace even has morning meditations that you can do with your kids. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is a meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash NBA. That's headspace.com slash locked on NBA for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. So just head to headspace.com slash locked on NBA today. Well, I would start with Dante, particularly early in this game, because the Bucks did fall behind and they, you know, they're trailing by eight points 
in the first quarter. And it, it honestly felt like Dante was the guy that kind of kept them afloat in that first quarter, particularly through the first five or six minutes. And we, we've spoke about him a lot. And clearly, he's been really struggling for confidence with that three-point shot now. He's never a guy that you typically think of lacking confidence, certainly with the shots that he does take, but he's been missing missing them badly, you know, and it just felt like he needed to get one to go down. He hits his first three from the corner, and then he really got rolling from there, got to the uh, free throw line a couple of times there as well, or on a three-point shot, sorry, in the first quarter. So he was really feeling it. I thought that was important just in, in being able to keep touch with the Wizards and and I wonder you know last night he has that big performance where he's able to impact the game in other ways and and really was a a big factor in the Bucks uh, being able to generate such an advantage over Brooklyn in the second chance points and maybe having that type of impact and really uh, being a factor in the result in a big game was the confidence boost he needed or he just needed to see one go down I'm not sure but again for him to finish uh, five or seven from three is just super pleasing moving forward because you were just starting to wonder, okay, well, when, when's he going to break out of this slump? This has been going for a while. We know he's a streaky shooter, but that to me stood out again, mostly in the first half. As you mentioned, he fouled out, which the Bucks really could ill afford at that point in time with obviously Tucker was already out of the game, no Middleton, and then having Dante removed as well. They had to go pretty small um, down the stretch. But I do think, you know, big picture for a guy that, as you pointed to on yesterday's show, you know, the opportunities are limited when you're playing with that starting lineup, but the shots you know that Dante's going to be able to take are generally going to be open three. So he's got to knock those down um, only against Washington tonight. But, uh, you know, just good to see him fall. Yeah, and, I, you know, I mean, this is the nature of the regular season, right? I mean, a guy like Dante, um, anybody who's really three-point dependent, whether it's Dante, Pat is another good example, right? Those guys are probably going to have periods where the three ball is not going to go down for them. And because they don't, draw a lot of fouls. They, it's not like they're getting the ball a lot to create offense and they can kind of work through that. Right. I mean, they're, they pretty much just have to shoot their way out of slumps and hope that they do enough other things on the floor that, that they can you know, still be at least, you know, not net negatives uh, on the floor. And I think, you know, certainly uh, Dante's, you know, performance last night um, against the Nets, he certainly did a lot of other things besides scoring, although he did, you know, he, he did actually make some layups in that game, that game at least, even if his three-point woes were continuing. And, um, you know, we've seen that from from Pat as well. And again, you know, it's like, I feel like whenever Pat has like, you know, a few games in a row that are sort of anonymous and somewhere someone starts, you know, a Jordan Wara chant or something like that. And it's just like, all right, guys, <laughs> calm down. Like, you know, and then this is the way the season has gone for Pat. Like, you know, it, there have not been so far, knock on wood, really extended slumps from him. Like he's, you know, I mean, the reason he's shooting a, a career high from three this year is because when he's had slumps, they've generally been pretty short. And then he comes back and and has really good performances. And, you know, he's just a guy that knows his role and he's obviously has his limitations on both ends, but, you know, he kind of plays within himself. And, um, you know, tonight had a, you know, early, early in the game too, and they kind of needed a spark of adrenaline. He had a three and then a, a dunk on the other end in transition that, that I think kind of got the Bucks going a little bit there too. And, uh, and then obviously those, those big shots late. Um, so yeah, shout out to Pat, um, for, for being a, you know, a bit of an ignition switch on a night where they really needed those, the, the bench to, to come through and, you know, interesting to look at the bench. Um, all the starters were, had negative differentials tonight. Um, I mean, granted, PJ and Giannis were minus one. Brooke was minus two. Drew was minus three. So not exactly big negatives. 
Um, but the bench was, was where all the, the margin, uh, the positive margin came from. Uh, Pat plus seven, T plus 14, <laughs> which, you know, again, single game plus minus, it's really more describes like what, what happened while those guys were on the floor, not necessarily how good those guys were. Let's be clear on that. Um, but certainly, uh, you know, we tend to see the opposite where it's the, the, the starters sort of carrying the load and, you know, the good things happening when the starters are on and then you just sort of, you know, more, more try to survive when the more bench heavy lineups are out there. But tonight, um, you know, bench bench played a nice role in, in making sure that, uh, that they got through this and kind of, I mean, I'm looking at the, the wizards box score. Um, Chandler Hutchinson got hurt, uh, but they played 12 guys. So, they played a lot of dudes. Uh, I mean, they play three centers between Len, Robin Lopez, and Daniel Gafford. Um, and of course, Rolo, um, you know, it looked like he was, could never miss a, a, a jump hook as, <laughs> as per usual. Um, and had three blocks, including a nice one on Giannis. Although Giannis looked like uh, in the second half, it looked like he was determined to, to put one on Robin's head uh, and nearly did a couple times and drew fouls. But um, I think, I think this is now two straight games. Giannis is not dunked. Um, but fortunately he's gotten, gotten to the line a bit and 10 out of 12 free throws uh, in the second Nets game, seven out of eight from the line tonight. So even with his jumper completely abandoning him tonight, thankfully the, 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 the touch from the line was there. So, um, yeah, so, you know, just a weird game kind of in general, but I would say predictably weird. Um, you know, uh, it, it's, it's interesting that the wizards, are like this kind of high octane try to about score your team, but they really don't shoot many three pointers. Um, you know, just eight out of 22 tonight. And, and two of those were, were late from Beal and just sort of like quick catch and shoot threes, which I, I don't, I, I didn't rewatch the plays, but he shot those over Bryn Forbes and Jeff Teague, to which I'd say, mm, yeah, not the guys you want uh, having to defend Bradley Beal late in games. I mean, I guess fortunately they didn't foul him, but um, but I, I I was trying to think like where was Drew on those plays? Did he get screened or was he guarding Russ? Like you know what what exactly happened? But anyway, um, I I joked you know let's let's have a quick acknowledgement of some good performances and then you know erase this game from our memories entirely. So uh, I won't I won't stress too much over it. But um, yeah, this this was definitely a game you uh, you, you take the win. You pocket it and you say, all right, onwards and upwards. Time to talk about our friends at Bet Online now, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online as we are on the road to the Milwaukee Brewers versus Oakland Athletics in the World Series. It's going to be huge. So get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including those MLB odds, the NBA, the NHL and the UFC MMA. And if anyone was watching the NHL today, they might, uh, it might be the same thing now. UFC, NHL, but don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code LOCKEDON. That's BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, and then duck across to rockauto.com, which is the family business that's been serving auto parts customers for over 20 years. Uh, You guys have heard me talk about Rock Auto. They've been great sponsors of the show for a long time. But the thing that I like about it is the fact that uh, for someone like myself that is far from a 
uh, expert, let's just say that, it's very easy for me to find everything I need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, whatever it is, accessories for the car. They're all there in the catalog, which is really, really easy to navigate. And uh, in this day and age, having everything delivered directly to your door is also a pretty nice bonus. Uh, so don't forget to go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. That's locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski, also of Locked On Packers, updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts, including myself from time to time. And Frank was on Locked On Today earlier in the week as well. So follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You mentioned the officiating, and we, we could probably really go on about this, but in this game against Washington, uh, whatever. I guess we all just hope that we don't, uh, that the Bucks don't end up getting Tony Brothers in a game because I tell you what, the other thing about this game, geez, it went on forever. This game felt like it went for about six and a half hours, which was, um, yeah, when, no, I don't think I needed to watch Bucks Wizards for that long tonight. But a couple of things that are at least of interest. Uh, the first thing I tweeted out the video, I've got a problem with this right across the league when a, a three-point shooter launches himself forward on a shot and then the defender is somehow expected to uh, not be standing in the in the area. And Dante got called for one of those uh, fouls, which actually took him out of the game, which was pretty costly. And, you know, I tweeted the video and, he, I mean, Garrison Matthews really, he, he jumped forward probably five feet and Dante was still nowhere near where he launched uh, for the three and, and DiVincenzo was called for the foul. Those foul calls always annoy me. But then there was one about a minute later with Jeff Teague and Russell Westbrook. It was kind of hard to tell from the replay. I think this was a little more in the yeah, legitimate foul. I don't know. People are going to argue it and say it's not. But I thought this one was a little more legitimate than it normally would be. This was with around 347 to go in the game. And the thing that really bothered me was the fact that Bud challenged a Jeff Teague foul. And I, it was a close game, no doubt about that. You're trying to get it away, but I don't know why you would challenge a Jeff Teague foul when you have Giannis on the floor with five fouls. And then Giannis, predictably, a minute later, picked up an offensive foul and was taken out of the game. And, and I did have a number of Bucks fans on Twitter say, yeah, but the way they were officiating, they wouldn't have reversed it anyway. But I, I don't really care about that. I just think it's the, the process of using the challenge on a Jeff Teague foul when you've got Giannis there with five fouls on the floor. I don't care. Give Westbrook the two free throws. I do not want to use a coach's challenge on Jeff freaking Teague when you could potentially lose Giannis down the stretch in the game. I just thought it was a... a, a a really puzzling decision, and if this game was in the in the playoffs, uh, I don't want to see that ever again. Well, especially because I, I it was kind of, it felt like kind of a late whistle. Um, I remember when when seeing when Russ, when Russ shot the ball, it seemed like Teague had sagged so far down that it was just going to be an uncontested shot. Which I that was, I was really surprised when I heard the whistle then, yeah. because I thought nobody was near Russ. But then you know Russ sort of stuck his right leg out and got Teague on the foot. So I don't know. I mean, unfortunately there's just like so much latitude given to like, basically if you jump, you can land like anywhere on the face <laughs> of the earth. And if it happens to be the, a, a defender standing there, then 
you know, it's a foul. And then they, I, I also feel like it's extremely arbitrary. Like it seems like guys land under people way more than these, these flagrant fouls get called. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's, it's just like weird. It's like they just, the refs just sort of decide like, eh, that wasn't so bad. So I'm just not going to bother like doing the review for, for the flagrant, which, you know, I guess it's just, I, I, obviously we get why they do this. You know, there's some history here, you know, Bruce Bowen, some Bruce Bowen history of trying to hurt people by basically going under them and having them turn ankles, things like that. But now it just sort of feels like it's gone the other way where shooters are basically, you know, finishing their landings in ways unnaturally to, to try to look for it. And look, the Bucks do that too. It's not like the Bucks Absolutely. players don't do that. It's just, I don't think it's good for the sport. Um, or at least I think, you know, there should be, there should be a lot, I mean, there, there should be more room for officials to say like, dude, you know, like, kind of like with the, the leg kick um, to say like, no, you, you actually were initiating that. Like you, you don't need to land five feet in front of where you jump from. So at a minimum, it's not a foul on the guy. Cause I think the first time I remember seeing that, I think it was a Tony Snell foul, like you know, whatever this was like three years ago. And Tony was literally closing out inside the three-point arc. And the guy jumped on a three-pointer and landed in, all the way inside the three-point arc. And they call it a flagrant foul. It's just like, I mean, if you close out short of the shooter, I feel like you should be okay. <laughs> you know? But um, anyway, it's just one of, those, one of those things. And then the replay process just makes everything more painful and, and drawn out. And yeah, there's just... I mean, there's some low-hanging fruit, I think, just in general for the league to look at the replay process, how long it takes, et cetera. The thing that kills me most, which wasn't a factor tonight, but every clear path foul is reviewed. Why? Like some clear path, like just, just let them call clear path fouls on, <laughs> on judgment, especially if it's the freaking first quarter. Like we don't, you know, like these, these usually aren't like crazy, um, interpretive type of situations like you don't need a freeze frame to call a clear path foul just just have them call it and if it's close maybe then you have some opportunity to review it or something like that but it's, it's just kind of crazy that's like oh clear path foul like gotta gotta stop the game for four minutes to go review it. it's like i don't know it's just, just bizarre what what you know some of the the time wasting that's, that's kind of built into the way that these games are are officiated so anyway um that's probably enough of uh of us to complain about one, one thing I will say with Giannis, cause, cause I agree. I think, you know, it was a flop from Westbrook to draw the, the offensive on Giannis. I don't think it would have been reversed. It was a flop, but it also wouldn't have been reversed. You know, he, he just, yeah. yeah I mean, Giannis kind of put his button to him and that, you know, if you flop, they're going to call that. Um, the thing that really pissed me off tonight was actually wasn't the officiating part of, of the Giannis stuff so much is um, the fact that Giannis took two fouls, literally 90 feet from the basket one of them when he got his technical and he literally just thought he was fouled. And so he then grabbed the wizard who, who got the ball and intentionally got a foul so that he could then get a technical as well for complaining. And, you know, lo and behold, late in the game, he picks up his fifth foul early in the fourth quarter and he has to go sit down and then he comes back. And the problem is the bucks were then small too, which really exacerbated it because he was having to defend the rim with five fouls, which made it even harder. And like Gafford got one dunk where it was like, literally that was just trying to put his hands up. Cause he's like, I can't challenge this cause I have five fouls. So, um, you know, unfortunately as bad as the officiating was tonight, I think very self-inflicted from Giannis as well, that he was even in a position to, to have to be dealing with that foul trouble. So, you know, again, I, 
I get it. Like sometimes you're trying to send a message to the refs, but taking an and basically essentially what amounts to an intentional foul, even if you're not in foul trouble at the time with a player like Giannis, how hard he plays, you know, the way that he um, gets offensive fouls, um, you know, you could go from no fouls to four fouls in the blink of an eye. And unfortunately it nearly cost them a game, right? Cause you know, he fouled out with plenty of time left in the fourth quarter here. And um, obviously they, they almost lose this game. Thankfully they don't, but um just kind of one of those things, right? You kind of wish Giannis was a little bit more, and he's generally pretty calm with, with officials, right? Like he doesn't like usually blow his top. He knows he can say his piece and then, you know, refs will usually try to make sure that they are call it more fair <laughs> in the subsequent time. But um, tonight, yeah, let's just say it, uh, uh, Giannis didn't exactly play, play the, the fouling game, game too intelligently. Unfortunately, it, uh, it didn't come back to burn them. All right, we were going to discuss some bud stuff, but we've got another podcast on the day off tomorrow, so we can uh, get to that uh, at a later date. But the Bucks do have one night off. Then they've got the revenge game against the Rockets. They owe them one for last week. Fingers crossed Kevin, they can contain Kevin Porter Jr. to fewer than 50 points, but we'll wait and see uh, how that one plays out. That's obviously at Fiserv Forum. And as I mentioned from the top, uh, the Bucks now just one game behind uh, the Brooklyn Nets for the two seed there and uh, still three back of the sixes. That looks like that's done and dusted. But the Brooklyn and the two seed and potential home court in a series with the Nets if they make it through to the second round is still very much in play. So that's what the Bucks really are playing for here over the last few games. But uh, I'm glad they were able to pull this one out against the Wizards because that team is a bit of a pain in the ass and interesting to see how they go in the play-in tournament as well because uh, playing a team that can put up 130 on any given night in a, in a one-off game is probably a challenging prospect there. But we'll be back. Uh, Frank, uh, I'm, I'm, I mentioned this to you. We, were, we did podcast at 2 a.m. last night, so I should have waited to do the gym chat, but I'm, I'm glad you had your own stories as well. I didn't know that either, that you knew Jim on, the, on that level with the Brew Hoop stuff. So that's, um, that's really cool to hear. Yeah, um, I guess I, I was going to say like it's too bad we have to talk about Jim on a night when the game was so forgettable. <laughs> maybe that maybe that's for the best, you know, that we, <laughs> we 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 used our time more wisely on him rather than you know burying it um, at the end of a of a podcast about you know some some other game or something like that. So shout out to Jim. Not the last time, obviously, that, that we're going to talk about him, and uh, but we did obviously want to make sure we we uh, gave our salute to uh, somebody who's obviously meant a lot to this franchise for a really long time. 7.30 p.m. on Thursday night. So probably tonight as you're listening to this podcast, we're going to be on the Locker Room app. So uh, make sure you jump on, join us, throw us some of your takes from the Nets game, from this game against the Wizards tonight, and we'll have some fun. So for Frank and myself, uh, we'll catch you guys then. Peace.